If you would, please turn to the Bible to James chapter four. Matt, thank you so much for that. Those videos are really good, aren't they? As I was sitting over there, I sent Val a text that said, let's go be missionaries and let's adopt some kids. <laughs> and I, I think I mean it. I don't see why I don't. The needs are there and the opportunity is before us. Somebody has to, we ought to. And Matt, I appreciate so much you raising the awareness. Several Wednesday nights ago, we pray every Wednesday night. And we had been talking a whole lot about widow care in our church. And we were encouraging ourselves, some of y'all have heard this before, but we were encouraging ourselves that that's great that we're aware of widows in our church and wanting to take care of them. And somebody raised their hand and said, well, you know that verse in James chapter one says widows and orphans. And I hear a lot around here about widows, but I don't hear a lot around here about orphans. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church where comments like that are welcomed. Nobody was offended. We were glad to have been pointed to truth in Jesus. And at the time, we didn't have any, none, involvement with orphan care. No foster care, no adoption. There was zero in our church. So we added it to the list permanently. Every single prayer sheet has widows and orphans on it. And for a couple years now, we have been praying for that every week. And God has answered those prayers. And I'm thankful for that. And we not only want churches, I mean families in the church to do that, and we have several that are already, but we want those families that are doing that to feel incredibly welcome, encouraged, and supported by the rest of the church. We are in this together. We are not shaking our head at you all. We are blessed by you all in that work. We are. We are happier to see you all doing it. And if you have any need at all, we want to help you with that. And may God increase the effort. James chapter four is where we're at today. And since last week the sermon had 10 points, today's will only have two. I'll try to balance it out. A nursery worker last week told me that at 12.05, I was on point five. And so their spouse sent him a text that I hate to tell you this, into the nursery, I hate to tell you this, it's 12.05 and he's only on point five out of 10. So today, there are only two. And one of the things that I recognize as I get older is the things that I'm not very good at 
it's more obvious the older you get, you see more clearly. And I recognize all of the, well, not all, but I recognize many of the things that I struggle with that are my weaknesses. And one of them is that I'm not a very good judge. It's hard to judge. It's hard to be a judge, isn't it? You ever watched a dunk contest on TV? I hope you have, come on. And the first dunk goes off and everybody says, okay, we'll give that like an eight or a nine. And, but there's gonna be lots of dunks. And by the time they get to like the second or third round, it's like everyone is a 10. And that's what happens in these dunk contests is they, they were impressed by the first one. And as they got better, there was nowhere higher to go than a 10. If the first one's a nine, then what's gonna happen to the next one that's a 10 and the next one and the next one? They're all 10s. And what happens now all the time is that you've got all of these dunks being scored the same. And that means they're bad judges. The first one couldn't have been a nine if there was the potential of something way better. And I found this about myself as well. I'm not a very good judge. And maybe you would admit to that too. One of the ways that I see myself being a very bad judge is when I try to determine who I should love and serve. And I think, well, they, they really could use some love and service, and so I'm gonna help them. And then at other times, I'm more like, nah, no, they don't. They don't need it. They don't deserve it. They shouldn't get it. Trying to discern help here, not help here, I'm really bad at that. And all of this falls under the category of being a judge, and I will admit I'm not very good at it. Today's sermon is about not judging. Don't be judgmental. Read with me, if you will, at James chapter four, verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor. James does something very interesting here. And you've got to be mature and you've got to be a believer to get it. In verse four, he called them adulterous people. In verse eight, he calls them sinners. In verse nine, he calls them, or verse eight, he calls them double-minded in verse nine, he says, be wretched, mourn, and weep. James is not holding back. But then here today at verse 11, he says, brothers, perhaps the most affectionate term he could use, that he loves them, that they're in the family of God with him. They've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb along with him, that they are on the same level playing field. These people, 
that he says are adulterous and sinners and two-faced are brothers and sisters in Christ. Folks, that alone ought to be a lesson and sermon to you about the seriousness of God and the seriousness of us being together and not being offended by everything. Welcoming critique and help and support and judgment and accountability and discipline. That if we are truly believers in Christ together, then you helping me recognize my sins, my adulterousness, my sinfulness, my fakeness would serve me well. This is what James is about here today. So today I give you two points from these two verses. Number one, wrongful speech is against God's law. Now, James has been talking about speech a lot, and so I hope over the last two months you have pulled it back a little bit, that the Holy Spirit, upon taking truth and going to work on your heart, has caused you to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And I realize that the last month in our country has been the hardest time ever to do that. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so I hope you are modeling greatly both with your social media voice and your active voice, poise and self-control and honesty and clarity. Because James says here that wrongful speech is against God's law. Specifically, he says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Don't talk evil or wrongly about other believers. Don't do that. It's hard enough to not think it, but there's a difference between thinking it and saying it. There's a filter right here somewhere. Don't say bad things about other believers. Now, this is an interesting word here. Do not speak evil against. Speak against. And it covers all sorts of things. Some translations use the word slander. It brings the meaning of an unjustified judgment. You shouldn't be thinking that or you shouldn't be saying that. It can also mean things like a verbal attack or or gossip. One translation uses the word criticize. Another translation uses the word malign or disparage or backbiting. But here in the ESV, which I'm using, it says do not speak evil against, which perhaps most accurately gets to slander, saying evil things about somebody that you should not be saying, slander. And we know what slander is, saying something that you hope will tear them down, saying something that you hope will cause other people to think less of them, saying something that you hope will cause other people to think worse of them, to think poorly of them, to think negatively of them. That is slander. And let me give you a very heavy point here. The Greek word for the devil 
is slander. The very core of what the devil does is falsely accuse, is falsely label, is try to get you to think wrongly and destructively about people in a way that you should not. That's what the devil does. And James is telling his brothers, sisters in Christ here that when we do that, we are like the devil. Wrongful speech is against God's law. As I was studying, I found that there are three categories where Christians really struggle with this. So we're talking about churches. We're talking about church people. We're talking about Christian on Christian, believer on believer, talking bad about each other. And it said there are three categories that really get us. Listen to these. The first is our motives. We will slander each other when we think their motives are wrong. They are selfish. They are self-centered. They are self-seeking. Their motives are ill-intended. That's when we most often slander. The second is on money. Well, they've got enough money. Why are they doing that? Why did they get a new car or a new boat or that? Are they tithing? Are they giving? Why are they, you know, how are they going out to eat that often? And we will be judgmental about the way other believers are with their money. They wouldn't go out to eat so much, they wouldn't be needing us to help them out. We got it all figured out with everybody else's problems. And the third one is parenting. We will surely judge everybody else on their kids. This is a common problem among Christians. And this is most often the motives, the money, the spending, in the parenting where we see. Now, I didn't make those up. Those are three things that I found in preparation. But James points out that when we do this, look at verse 11, when we speak against a brother or judge a brother, what we're doing is we are now speaking against the law and judging the law. Now, this is interesting. This is a really a weird way for James to go with talking about our speech. And he has talked about our speech a lot. But this is an interesting way to go because what law is he talking about? What's he referring to? What standard does he have in mind? Well, I think here he's referring to this royal law of love your neighbor. There's a couple ways that you can see this. And what gets really fascinating here is that this is clearly all about believers. He's saying brothers, brothers, brothers here in this passage. But look at the very end of verse 12. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Does everybody see that? So we, when you're reading this passage, in your mind, you're thinking, is he talking about judging people or is he talking about judging believers? Because the Bible is very clear that Christians are to judge Christians, specifically inside a church. Paul teaches that very clearly to the Corinthian church. This is called accountability. This is church discipline. You ought to be helping the other believers in your church family to turn from their sins. And so that is there and it's good. But we are told that we are not to judge. The Bible just straight up says, do not judge. It says that. We're not to judge outsiders. We're not to judge unbelievers. We're not to judge the world. We're not to do that. God will judge them. So when this passage takes, talks about brothers, 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 and all of a sudden at the very end it says, who are you to judge your neighbor? It's like, well, wait a second. My neighbor's not necessarily my brother in Christ. So what's it doing here? What I think James is doing is he's drawing our attention 
to the royal law, which James has already talked about. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? You are to uh, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And in loving your neighbor as yourself, not only does that apply to everybody, it certainly applies to your church, to your church family, to your brother and sister in Christ. And when we do this, we break God's law. We do what God says not to do. When we judge, slander, talk wrongfully about other believers, we make it where the law does not matter to us. Man, that's a touchy subject, isn't it? Do we have to obey laws? I'll tell you where this hits really home. It's every once in a while, I'll be driving down the road and the car will be beeping because my seatbelt's not on and the kids will say, do you not hear that? And I kinda do and I kinda don't, but I certainly am not listening to it. And the kids will say, well, aren't you supposed to wear it? And I'll say, yes. And now their whole life is turned upside down. If he's supposed to wear it and he's not wearing it, what does that mean? And while I'm putting it on, I'm texting. And the kids will say, aren't you not supposed to text while you're driving? And I'll say, yeah, we're not supposed to. And their whole world is turned upside down. Well, what does it mean if there are laws against these things and you're not doing them? Not to mention the speed limit. And so in a very real sense, kids are left going, do traffic laws really matter, right? And you know there's a very real chance that if I don't wear my seatbelt, they probably won't wear their seatbelt, right? And if I text and drive, they will probably text and drive. And if I speed, they will probably speed, right? I mean, that's that's pretty likely. That's scary, very scary. And it's not a stretch to say that if the law doesn't matter there, then when does it matter? This is exactly James's point. This is exactly why Christian homes struggle to keep their kids focused on God. Let's just be totally honest. There is area after area after area in your home and in your life where the law of God has not mattered And so it does not matter to them. And praise God for a coming generation that would rather deny it than fake it. Amen. You're not uncomfortable with that. I mean, you're not comfortable with that, but I am. Let the real rise up. Let the truth stand out. Let the authentic be authentic. Rather our kids deny the faith than fake the faith on their way to hell. For in denying the faith, we can talk clear about, or for in in, in denying the faith, we can talk clearly about what is truth. Where does forgiveness come from? James says, if God has given you a new heart to love, and he has if he saved you, and you can slander another believer like that's okay, then you are now judging the law, speaking evil against the law, and you 
are now not a doer of the law, which is what he saved you to be. Remember, when he gave you a new heart, he gave you a heart to obey his commandments. He gave you this new love that says his commandments are not burdensome. That's what the Bible says. He will put in us the desire to obey. Do we struggle with it? Yes. But do we love that pattern and that commitment and that lifestyle? No, we do not. And so if we are able to regularly and consistently slander and speak evil against other believers... We have now said that the law just does not really matter. Disobeying the law is putting yourself above the law. What a scary and ugly thought. James gives us an example of this in chapter two. Turn there. You remember this. It's the sin of partiality. And you can see, remember I said that I'm bad at being a judge? Here's an example of a church, a New Testament, a first century church being bad at judging. Where should people sit when they, when they come in here? Should we decide where people sit? No, we would be so bad at that. We are bad judges at times, and he gives us an example. Look at chapter two. My brothers, show no partiality in judging as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, look at this. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Haven't we then become bad judges? Haven't we then all of a sudden started to do things that God says not to do? We have looked at the way a person is dressed merely. Remember, you, you remember me telling you when we preached that passage that it doesn't say he was rich. It does say the other guy's dressed poorly, but it doesn't say he's rich. He just dressed nice. And if you try to determine like how good or smart or, or faithful they are simply based off that, one, you're bad at thinking when you should judge. Two, you're bad at judging. James gives us this great example in chapter four, I mean chapter two, of when we are bad at judging. And when we are trying to judge, it's not only bad that we're doing it, but it says something about God's law. God says to love. God says to be gracious. God says to be merciful. God says, as we read in Matthew chapter seven that Matt McBroom read, he just straight up says, do not judge. And with the manner that you judge, you will be judged. And he gives us that most profound illustration that you have a log, or Matt's translation said a wooden beam, a huge, giant two-by-four in your eye while they have a little speck of debris in theirs. And the speck of debris is bothering you. This is so bad. You are bothered by a little bit of sawdust in their eye while you've got a two by four in yours. Why are we this way? Because of pride and arrogance and selfishness. That's why. And this is what James is railing against week after week. And James says, don't do that. One commentator says, most likely... The implication is that by choosing to ignore various commands in the law, especially the law of neighbor love for which James has a deep concern, we put ourselves into the position of deciding which of them ought to be obeyed rather than allowing the law to shape our lives. 
Instead of just saying, God tells me to be gracious, and so I'll be gracious, whether I think I should be or not. God tells me to love my neighbor, whether I think that neighbor deserves love or not. Listen, folks, you have neighbors that probably should not be loved from our judgmental standard. That's just the truth. You've got some neighbors that aren't gonna take it right. There are some neighbors that are gonna abuse it. There are gonna some neighbors that you're gonna love and they are gonna turn their back on you. You've got some neighbors that you can cook cookies for and the next day they're gonna turn around and steal from you. That stuff happens. You know what God says to do? Love them. That's the truth. Love them. Now, have some discernment. Keep your lights turned on. Be wise, okay. But the Bible says to love them. The Bible says do not try to judge if you will love them or not. That's what the Bible says. Do not do that. For when you do that, okay, and you speak wrongly about them, you are now going against God's law. God will sort out at the end who was good or bad, right or wrong, saved, not saved, forgiven, not forgiven. God sees it all. God's got a single record, right, of every word you've said, every deed you've done, every word they've said, every deed. He's got every bit of it written down. And in judgment, we'll go through it. He'll go through it. Such a person that does not let the law shape their life, that person sets himself outside and above the law. That's a problem. We do this when we speak evil against somebody. It ought to pain us to hear slander. Now, gossip is when you take something and then you tell it to somebody else. So hopefully, we definitely aren't gossiping. But today's sermon is about not even starting the gossip, not even be the first person that slanders. So in that passage in Matthew chapter 7, that we read. I want to read it to you again. I've already quoted some of it, but I want to read it again so you get the fullness of it. That wrongful speech is against God. Disobeying the law is putting yourself above it. And here's what it says. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? Listen to this, verse five. You hypocrite. First, this is the words of Jesus too. Take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So we need to look in the mirror with our slander. And look in the mirror with our judging and let God go to work on us. We are so bad at being a judge. Just this week, as I was thinking through all of this, I was driving down the road, and road rage happens sometimes. And I was driving down the road, and somebody really dangerously, carelessly, foolishly, at the very last minute in traffic, just er, cut right in front of me. I had kids with me. I was a nervous wreck. We were on our way to practice, and I had to like slam on the brakes and I was ready to honk the horn and yell, roll down the window. I was trying to make eye contact with them. All that was going on, right? And I was thinking, they're idiots. See kids, this is the problem with people. They're just so bad at driving and ah. Uh. And then I kid you not, the same day, 
I was taking JJ to a soccer practice and I missed the exit. And on missing the exit, I just said, we can't afford to miss the exit. So, and we just went through the grass, through the ditch, through everything to get back in there. And I knew, rightly so, that every car that saw it had to be thinking, you idiot, see, this is the problem with the world. You are such a, and I knew that I was completely wrong. I knew it. And it just fell on me like 2020 vision, the very standard that I used with those people, I am hoping for mercy that these people don't use with me. You see that? I'm so harsh on the person that does me wrong and I'm so hoping for love and grace with the people that I do wrong. That's not Christianity. That is not Christianity. That is a flaw on my part. And when I do that, the word of God, the holy law of God, the royal law to love my neighbor as a command from God is minimized, downplayed, ignored. Number one, wrongful speech is against God's law. And then number two, wrongful speech is not only against God's law, but it is against the lawgiver. And this is where James takes it. Perhaps we could wiggle with verse 11 that it's against God's law, but you cannot wiggle with verse 12. It's also against the lawgiver, God. Look at verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, and it's not you. Do you know that? You are not the standard of who deserves to be loved and who doesn't. We need to be reminded of that. You need to remind yourself that every morning. The people that drive you crazy deserve to be loved according to God. The people that are hard to love should be loved. Now, as soon as we get into excuses and reasons why, and like, I just can't, and I struggle with it, I'm just weak, and I'm not strong enough to, that is where the answer is the gospel in Jesus. You're exactly right. You need the power of God. You need the Holy Spirit. You need his work flowing through you. You need the very presence of Jesus in your life to live for Jesus. If you were a Christian trying to live for Christ without the power of Christ, you are going to fail at it. You cannot love your neighbor well without focus on Jesus who loves you well. And you cannot judge people if you're focused on Jesus. Or you cannot judge rightly. Wrongful speech is against the lawgiver. Verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. And James throws it in there for just a great reminder. He is able to save and to destroy. Yes, he is. He is a good lawgiver. He is a big lawgiver. He is the lawgiver and the judge. He says, here's the rules, and then he judges off of those rules. He says, this is what's right, this is what's good, this is what's wrong, this is what's bad, and he also judges off of those rules. He makes the rules, and he judges you according to those rules. This is what the Bible teaches Isaiah 33, 22 says, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king and he will save us. All in one verse, all of those words. 
God is the one who establishes what is right as lawgiver and also the one who punishes the wrongdoer as judge. Listen to this. Usurping God's judging authority by judging a person is really a blaspheming of God. When you shift positions and you start to be judgmental, we are now blaspheming God who told us not to, who says that's his role, who we should know will do it well. Commentator Moose says, James is not prohibiting the proper and necessary discrimination that every Christian should exercise. He's not telling us to not do that, nor is he forbidding the right of the community to exclude from its fellowship those it deems to be in flagrant disobedient to the standards of faith. God is not saying at all for us to just be okay with everything because some of y'all are thinking that right now. That's not the opposite, right? That's not the response. That's not the option. And Moo points this out. He says, James here rebukes the jealous censorious speech by which we condemn others as being wrong in the sight of God, an assessment that only God can make. God is the judge. He knows the hearts. He knows the motives, and he will take care of it. Let's leave that to him. We are to build up. We are to hold accountable. We are to always, always, always seek the Lord first with pure, broken, humble hearts, speak truth in love. When we are talking against someone, to do so is to set oneself up as superior to the one spoken against. And here you see the rivalry. Here you see the dissension. Do you remember earlier in James chapter four? Look at verse one. What, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? The reason why this even happens is this pride going on inside of us. And so the commentator says, you're setting yourself up above them. You're wanting that person to look worse and you to look better. We hate the idea in our carnal fleshly sense to think that somebody else is winning. It is the grace and power and beauty of God for you to be okay with somebody else's successes. For you to be okay with somebody else thriving. That's the work of God. Rest in it. Rejoice in it. It is to deny the claim of the law to love the neighbor and it is to pursue a role that can be only held by God. It is wrongful, wrongful speech is against God's law and wrongful speech is against the lawgiver. No one is above the lawgiver. There is only one God and we will answer to him. And then our passage today ends with this question, who are you to judge your neighbor? And I've already mentioned how he switches it from brothers to neighbor, bringing in view where this whole thing comes from with his love your neighbor law. And this is really good. James has been talking about our speech a lot. It's in every chapter he brings it up. He keeps bringing it up. But he brings it up here seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, last week were 10 commandments on what it's like to not be a, a friend of the world. And then here we have these two verses before we get here simply about slander and speaking against. James understands that to live faithfully for Jesus 
you must have a humbled heart. Remember, that was the first and tenth of those ten commandments. Verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord. James is wanting you to humble yourself, bow your knee, bow your heart. God is wanting you to bite your tongue. James is wanting us to get low, get low before King Jesus. And one of the specific areas that we need to is speaking against others. Why do we do this? Why is it such a struggle? Because we hate to think that it may not be fair. We hate to think that somebody else who's in the wrong wouldn't be exposed. Or somebody else that's in the right is not getting their due. That drives us crazy to which we all have thought before, well, that's not fair. And sports aren't fair. And classrooms aren't fair. And successes aren't fair. And we hate that so much that we just can't let it go. And James says, you can let it go. God has fairness under control. Maybe not today, but in eternity, yes. Big picture, he does. Everything may not be fair today. Everything may not be the way we want it today. But we're not the judge of that. God is. And we are to rest in that. Church, God has said it so clearly that he will judge every single person. He will gather the nations before him. He will make sure that every knee bows to him. He will make sure that every tongue confesses to him that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He will make sure of that. It will happen. And in doing that, he will separate those who are forgiven and those who are not. He will make sure that those who are going to heaven by the grace of his grace, he will make sure they go that way. And he will make sure that those who have rejected his salvation are sent away to eternal damnation because they did not want the saving love of God in their lives. They did not want their sins to be forgiven. He will judge and he will judge well. He will be more fair than anybody's ever been fair. It will be accurate. There won't be any late ballots or miscounted ballots. It will be crystal clear. This person, this person, this person, this person. He is a good judge. And we should be able to rest in that. When he judges every single sin, it will be, listen to this, either you dealing with your sins or Christ Jesus having dealt with your sins for you. In the judgment, you will be dealt with for your sins because you have not trusted in Christ or you will escape the judgment into eternal life 
because Jesus already was judged for you. God sent Jesus to be punished for your sins. And the judge is going to make sure he gets his due. The judge is going to make sure that all who are in Christ safely, freely, gloriously go with that risen living Christ to eternal life forever where there is no crying, where there is eternal peace. He will make sure. So for whatever you see that seems not right or you think in your bad judgment doesn't deserve love or whatever else, Trust the true judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. Church, may the truth of God give us peace, give us comfort, and control our tongues. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for James and the strong calling from James against wrongful speech. God, help us not to speak against people. Help us to daily, consistently bring ourselves to understanding our Father in heaven is a good judge and we can trust him. May we never think we're above the law and may we certainly never think we're above the lawgiver. Humble us today and point us to Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. If you're here today and you've not trusted in Christ and you've never gone public with it, then please do it today. Let's start now trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you've not been baptized, we want to help you move in that direction. Profess, profess Christ, we'll help you get baptized. And if you're looking for a church home, where we can be your church family, study God's word together, then you can do that now. If you're here today and you will admit you struggle with being judgmental, then I want you to be encouraged that that judge will receive you back and forgive you for your judgmental spirit. He will. He will forgive you of that today. You can walk out of here less judgmental. Amen. And more of a blessing to those around you but cry out to him. As we sing, let's respond.